Have you Googled the country Mali recently? Let's give it a go. All the usual stuff comes up. A map, a country profile, information about its capital, Bamako. But you also get this, recent stories about attacks in the country. Now we kick off the show in Mali, where human rights defenders have decreed the provisional release of ex-coup leader General Amadou Sanogo. The violence that began with the uprising and seizure of territory in the north has now spread into previously stable central Mali. Children were recruited by all armed groups active in the north. We also received information that boys and girls were associated with pro-government militias to perform various tasks, including participating in combat. ...have killed over 200 civilians and burned dozens of villages in communal violence in central Mali during 2018. Have you ever thought about what it is like to grow up or live in an area affected by constant crisis? Terrible reports of war, terror and human rights violations in the world floods our daily news and again, African countries are among those that are affected the most. The terror militia Boko Haram wants to establish a theocracy commonly referred to as God State in Nigeria and in parts of Cameroon, Niger and Chad. The kidnapping of 200 school girls by that organization made the global headlines for quite some time. In Libya, different forces fight for state power. At the same time, circular and Islamic leadership are claiming the government, which in turn creates spaces for dangerous factions, such as the jihadists. The UN warns of a lost generation. Armed conflicts led to a record number of children that have been driven from their homes, injured and killed. Against this backdrop, countless students cannot attend school. We are glad that you are accompanying us today on our audio journey through Africa. My name is Nangam Sokwinana, and I'm happy that you've tuned in again. Today we want to take you on a trip to West Africa, more precisely to Mali. Unfortunately, we often associate Mali with war, terrorism, ethnic tension and crisis. Today, we would like to paint a clear picture of the situation on the ground. Joining me to discuss this in today's podcast is Aliyun Tin. Since 2018, Aliyun Tin has been the United Nations independent expert on the situation of human rights in Mali. He's also the founder of the think tank Africa Job Center. Mr. Tin served as the president of RADO, which is the International Federation for Human Rights, from 1998 to 2012, and coordinated the observation of the legislative election of 1998 and the presidential election of 2000 and 2007. He was the coordinator for Africa and the entire Black Diaspora of the World Conference Against Racism in Durban in 2001, which contributed to the recognition of slavery and the slave trade as a crime against humanity. 
president of the Senegalese Human Rights Committee from 2013 to 2015, director of Amnesty International for West and Central Africa from 2015 to 2018, and has published books and articles on literature, politics, and human rights. Despite numerous human rights violations in recent years, only very few related trials have taken place in Mali. In July 2019, the ousted President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita introduced a law that suspends the criminal prosecution of crimes committed during the crisis of 2012, which supports the trend of non-prosecution. With the coup d'etat in August 2020, everything changed again. The country is now in a transitional period, and it is not yet clear which role human rights will have in the elaboration of the new Malian Republic. Aluintin, if you could please come in and briefly recapture what happened in northern Mali between 2012 and 2013. Specifically, if you could please engage us about how this situation became the origin of instability that plagued the country up to today. Uh, thank you very much. I think the first, first thing is to talk about uh, the impact of the security situation in Libya, in Mali. And the second thing is that some people came in Mali, is very wide uh, territory, where uh, there was no state, and they occupied two, three of the territory very, very quickly. And uh, the situation was aggravated by a coup, a coup d'etat against uh, uh, Atete, you know, uh, the, the, the previous president. And it wasn't the situation in Mali. And uh, uh, we have the intervention of the ECOWAS troops, but they were very, very, very weak. And I think that when the aggravation of the situation by occupied by the terrorist group, France intervened for the first time. And I think they, they stopped the move of the, the terrorist groups. And I think that it was the first phase of the situation in Mali. But from 2017, we have the aggravation of the security in in Mali. We have the MINUSMA who stalled in Mali, but the problem was that uh, the strategy was based mostly on to use arms than to involve all the people to uh, you know uh, to save the security of, of 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 Mali. I think that the first thing. In, in in Mali is the weakness of this, the institution, the weakness of the state, and the whiteness of the territory of, of, of Mali. Thank you very much, Alouintin. It's quite interesting and insightful that you've taken the context 
dating back to the situation that took place in Libya. And you've shared with us how that became an impact in Mali. Also very interesting that regarding the coup, you dated back to former president Atate before we look at the situation with former president Keita. Thank you very much for sharing those uh, insights with us. Can you also elaborate on the judicial system in Mali? We would also like to hear your expert assessment of this system and consider looking at its weaknesses or strengths, if there are any. Where lies the principal need for reform in Mali's judicial system? The judicial system of uh, Mali is very weak in the actual situation of, of, of Mali. Because if you take Mali right now, from Kidal to Timbuktu and Gao, the judicial system failed because of many problems of securities. And in this area, they are applying Sharia law. Uh, because the territory is uh, uh, is controlled by by SEMA, uh, CMA. I think it's a real problem because uh, you know I have met some of uh, the judges in Mali, but they are afraid for their security. But you have the the military tribunal. And the military tribunal is very interesting because uh, they make investigations when there are human rights abuse. They, uh, but the problem when the human rights abuse are made by the security forces is to go to tribunal, to go to, to judge them. And it is one of the problems of uh, the, the, the system. Judges lack adequate resources of security and administrative logistics to be able to pursue their independent mandate, which therefore indicates the weak judicial system in general across Mali. And my take home, what I'm hearing here, Mr. Alouintin, is that the rule of law is fragile, actually, in Mali. Now, to take it back to the coup, the coup d'etat of August 2020 seems not to have changed the security situation in central and northern Mali. Over and over again, there is news of executions, disappearances, torture, arbitrary arrests, forced recruitment of children, rape and closed schools. And we are not only talking about human rights violations committed by the state. What groups of victims are we talking about here? Is there a single group that is affected particularly? Can you explain to us which groups of people are also identified as being responsible for these human rights violations? The human rights violations are made by different groups, all the groups. First of all, you 
you have uh, the security forces. All security forces in this war uh, have made uh, human rights abuses. The human rights abuses is also the fact of uh, the jihadist groups. You have uh, Al-Qaeda, two main groups. You have Jenim. Uh, Jenim uh, is in the center of, of, of Mali. And we have uh, later in the north of Mali. They are two main groups that are working in, in the north and in the center of Mali. The problem of uh, also the militias groups, the militias groups, uh, you have uh, Dan Ambasaku is the Dogon uh, groups that are mainly in the center of, of, of Mali. In the center of Mali, you have uh, many, uh, you know, ethnic groups, inter-community group, you have the Dogon, you have the Bambara, and you have the Fulanese also. And uh, the attacks of the Dogon are very often against the Fulanese people that are the main, that are mainly targeted. Uh, and if you see the problem in the center of Mali, because the center of Mali, the resource mainly is, uh, you know, the castle. A lot of castle. And the castle is main resources and, you know, is uh, the properties of the Fulanis. And you have the fight between those who have you know the you, you know between dogon and uh, fulanese we have a lot of uh, you know they they fight because if you see the specificity of those who are in fighting in the community with armed groups like uh, jinim or al qaeda they are fulanese Mainly, you have Fulanese in, in Mali, you have it in Burkina Faso, and they have, they, they are a confusion between those who are taking the arms with the jihadist groups and the other Fulanese that are not armed, that are working, that are very peaceful. And they say, if you are Fulani, you are jihadist. It, it is uh, one of the problems. Uh, and we have intervened among the the judges and the security forces to say to them, you know, <laughs> you have to see those who are, you know, really, uh, you know, fighting with the jihadists and the civil uh, people that are not armed, that are working, and that are and you consider them as guilty because they are only. Fulanese. It is one of the difficulty of uh, the Fulanese in Mali and in Burkina Faso. It is, it is a serious problem. It sounds very much like it's a very serious situation. You've mentioned to us that uh, if we look at the human rights violations being committed in Mali, it's not only the state that is committing these human rights violations. You've mentioned the militia, the security forces, the Balkans, the jihadists. You've mentioned quite a long list that is part of the group 
that is enacting these human rights violations in, in Mali. May I please come in and find out what is the role of the national security forces in all the events that you've recounted? You see, the problem of the security forces in Mali is one, the weakness, two, the number, three, the logistics, and so on. Uh, if we have militias in Mali, is because they are not enough military, you know, that cover all the territory of Mali. It is a serious problem of Mali. It is a serious problem of Niger. It is a serious problem of uh, Burkina Faso. The state is obliged and the, the military are obliged to arm militias to protect. But if you take militias, they have, they have no, uh, you know, uh, no skills. <laughs> they have arms, but they are not skills. They have no notion of human rights. And it is the serious problem when they are there and make many abuses of human rights. All militias on the ground make serious human rights, rapes, extrajudiciary uh, killings. They make uh, the school, the jihadist also for the, the school. And it is, it is very difficult. You have uh, more than 3,016 uh, schools that are, you know, locked. Uh, you have more than one million, uh, you know, children that cannot go to school. It is, it is, it is a serious problem. And uh, also the, the children are killed. More than 150 children. Intercommunitary violence. Indiscriminated, you know, violation. You have human, you, you have uh, what we call the crime of humanity. In, in, in. If you take the displaced person, you have uh, 250,000 displaced, uh, internal displaced in Mali. That's very interesting. You've mentioned that about a million children are not able to go to school, which leads me to my next question. If you are painting a picture which pretty much depicts the national forces or the national security forces as ineffective and inefficient, my next question would then be, who are the victims in all of these atrocities? The victims are civilian peoples. They are not, the main victims are not military. <laughs> the main victim are civilian peoples. And one of uh, the pillars of uh, the uh, crisis group is to tell the first duty of all the states that are involved in this, uh, you know, conflict is to protect civilian people. And we have a uh, lot of military on the ground. You know, uh, we have 15,000 from MUNISMA. We have... Uh, but they are not there to protect the citizens. You know, some are saying that they are protecting mainly themselves and the citizens. You have the forces of Mali also. And we have Barkan. But on the ground, uh, the security situation is degrading more and more. It is what we have seen from 2017. 
Is Mali a religious country? Mali, Malian is religious. And what role does religion contribute to the desperate situation you've just painted? Uh, you know, uh, the main problem is the failure of uh, the political leadership. The political leadership because uh, the political situation and uh, the governance were, you know, uh, seriously uh, degraded by corruption. There is a high level of corruption in the administration. Corruption of uh, the political leaders. Poly corruption on the, on the army. It is a real cancer in Mali. And I think that the effect is that there is no credibility of the political leadership. Is why we have mainly many uh, the leader. We have uh, emerging leadership, and the emerging leadership is uh, the leadership is uh, religious. You know. Many crises come from the religious in, uh, in, 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 in Mali. Very recently, what we have by the movement of protestation, uh, the movement of protestation were, you know, led by uh, the, the imam. And the imam is coming again. Uh, and, I, and I think it is not impossible that Imam Diko the uh, candidate for the next presidential uh, election because he he made a memorandum that uh, make a lot of noise in the political uh, field in, in 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 Mali first problem we see is the crisis of uh, uh, rule of law uh, crisis uh, of election uh, crisis of uh, democracy a crisis of security in all these crises uh, are uh, have as a result to to weaken the state and to to make the failed state and i think it is a very difficult situation not only in mali but it is a serious situation all over the west africa because now some of the jihadists have as aim and objective to go to some countries like uh, uh, Benin, like uh, Togo, uh, like Cote d'Ivoire, like Ghana. Uh, and I think that it is a real threat all over the West African region now. Thank you very much for sharing that very insightful relay that was extremely powerful that you shared with us that not only is the crisis observed in Mali, but there are also countries falling under the West Africa subregion that might be affected by the rule of law crisis, democracy crisis, security crisis, and definitely the elections crisis. Thank you very much for sharing all of that with us, Mr. Lewinton. We just stated that it is not only the government that is responsible for human rights violations in Mali. Last year, the trial of the alleged terrorist Al-Hassan started before the International Criminal Court. He is accused of horrible crimes 
committed during the occupation of the desert city Timbuktu. As head of the Sharia police at the time, he was directly involved in violence and torture against men, women, and children of Timbuktu. Could you briefly tell us how the people of Mali perceived the trial that took place before the International Criminal Court in The Hague? Al-Hassan is being tried in The Hague uh, uh, from uh, 14 July uh, uh, 2012. And I I think that it is uh, a very good thing for uh, Malian because I think it's a very important uh, uh, step to fight uh, impunity in crimes committed in in Mali. And we have also one who were uh, convicted and condemned for uh, nine uh, years of prison. It was Ahmad Al-Mahdi who uh, committed uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity and destruction of, uh, you know, uh, religious buildings and historical you know, monument in Tombuktu in 2012. Uh, All the people, all the the, the opinion, uh, I I, I think that uh, Malian opinion, African opinion, uh, have a very good uh, perception of uh, the indictment and uh, the condemnation of those who have committed uh, uh, horrible crimes in in in, in Mali. Uh, it it is a good good thing to to fight in, in, in impunity uh, in Mali because uh, uh, sometimes you see the system is not very strong to uh, judge of all them. It is important, I, I I think, first of all, if you want to to fight impunity in 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 Mali, the first thing is how to help Mali uh, to strengthen the state and the institution without a strong state, without very strong institutions. It is very difficult to fight, you know, uh, the impunity to fight this uh, very uh, serious crime committed in, in Mali, like rape that is very often, very frequently uh, made in Mali. Even in Mali, when a woman is raped, judging him is a great problem. It is a great problem because sex is a sort of taboo <laughs> in, in Mali. And sometimes uh, many of the women that are victims of rapes, you know, cannot speak about their problem. Very often they are considered not as a victim, but as some, 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 someone who is uh, responsible of this crime. But I think it is, it, it is uh, uh, twice time uh, to, uh, to, to, to make them stressed by the situation they are living in, in, in Mali. I think uh, uh, the serious human rights uh, violations bases on... Uh, Gender are committed very often, and I think that we have to, the international community have to, 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 uh, to, to help the Malian 
government, uh, the Malian state, to fight this kind of heinous crimes against uh, the the women. Uh, it is very interesting that your concluding remarks uh, touch on a very sensitive subject, which is that of violence against women and the atrocities of gender-based violence. Of course, March is the International Women's Month worldwide. And it's very interesting that that was your concluding remark to that question. You did also touch on a very interesting remark in your in your relay, which was that regarding the former finance minister in Mali, Sumaile Sisse, who recently passed away in December 2020. Of course, just for a bit of context for our listeners, uh, Honorable Sumaile Sisse had been abducted for about five to six months during the year of 2020. Um, and you mentioned something very interesting, which I'd like to take you back to just before we conclude our last question. What were you saying about Sumaile Sisse, which was just before you mentioned reforming the state of Mali and the necessary institutional upbuilding that needs to take place in Mali. Could you please touch back on your sentiments? Uh, you know, uh, Sumaila is uh, the previous Minister of Finance and uh, uh, he was also uh, uh, the president of uh, the financial body of West Africa. It is very important. And he was uh, the, the, the leader of the opposition in, in Mali with his political part, party of opposition. And I think that many people, many people in Mali uh, have seen uh, Sumaila Sisse as the previous president of, of, of Mali, the saver of, of, of Mali, because uh, is why the, uh, the past away of uh, Sumaila uh, was a great, great loss in uh, in, in, in Mali. You know, now we have a sort of political confusion in, 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 in Mali. You know, we have not a very clear vision of the military that are leading uh, the transitional government. There are many controversies. They don't respect uh, the human rights. Uh, I think that there is a sort of authoritarianism now. Many people are arrested, uh, detained, uh, like the former prime minister. Uh, some of, uh, you know, uh, uh, activists in Mali, uh, Razbat, etc. I think that... Uh, even the court, the appeal court, have made a very good decision, saying that uh, you know, releasing all these uh, all these people. Uh, you know, in Mali, sometimes we have we see uh, uh, some good action of the justice. They are, we have, we see some effort. This is an effort in a context where we have military where we have, uh, you know, uh, an authoritarian regime. 
I think it is a, it is a courage for these judges to to take this kind of decision uh, in 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 a, in in a difficult context of uh, of Mali. And I see that uh, even we have the military, we have a kind of resistance of some Democrats in in Mali. You know, uh, uh, they are. Uh, uh, denouncing the human rights abuses, they are denouncing the context of uh, authoritarianism in Mali. Uh, it is very difficult, but uh, uh, I, I think if we have this kind of line, it is possible to have uh, to make this crisis as as an opportunity to uh, have a profound change uh, of uh, the situation in Mali. There is a good debate in Mali. There is a good controversial in Mali. Many intellectuals are intervening in on the political field to denounce human rights, to making propositions, to see how to strengthen the democracy, rule of law, and so on. It is, you know, uh, the interesting wing of uh, the transition uh, in, in, in Mali. Even the RPF that are making proposition, it, it's interesting as 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 a context. Uh, is why I think that it is impossible for the military to uh, exercise a dictatorship in 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 Mali, and and this is a hope that uh, it is possible to to change the situation in Mali. I am confident that with that last final sentence, you might have revoked hope in our listeners regarding the situation in Mali. I heard you mention that there are uh, efforts to denounce authoritarianism in Mali. I'm, I heard you mention that there are efforts denouncing the atrocious human rights violations in Mali. And I also heard that you mentioned that it is time and there is opportunity for profound change in Mali. It's been an absolute pleasure engaging with you. Uh, it's been absolutely insightful for me to learn from your insights regarding the situation on the ground in Mali. I'm going to close with one last question. The actual transitional period should be seen as a chance and a possibility for reform, like you have mentioned about that opportunity for profound change. Apparently, there is a new constitution being drafted and existing institutions are prepared for a major overhaul and elections are supposed to take place sometime next year. What would you say is the necessary step to improve human rights in Mali? They are... Uh writing a new uh, constitution now in Mali. And I want to uh, underline two things that are very important. Uh, if uh, the vice president of Mali, uh, the colonel Goita, who have uh, made uh, the coup, uh, is candidate, it will be a difficult, serious difficulty in Mali, I think. But if uh, they have a very strong consensus about rule of law, about uh, democracy, because I think that they have to 
rethink the democracy system in, 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 in Mali, the governance system in Mali, fighting mainly corruption in, in, in Mali. Where, when they have a very strong consensus, because in 1991, when there was a coup and they, when they made their uh, uh, you know, national conference, they have a strong consensus in Mali, having made you know two good elections in Mali, and I think that now it is what what we can say the uh, the end of the consensus. Now, after a new coup, they are building a new consensus, and it is very very difficult because we have a coup in two thousand twelve, and we have a coup. <laughs> in 2020 you know it is a sort of instability political instability in 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 mali i think if they have a consensus that you know stopped this instability in making a political stability institutional stability security stability for a long time i think mali can be a sort of example to go out of crisis in uh, a state because we have a lot of crisis now in, in the West African zone. All the region is in crisis and we have a context of, you know, asymmetric conflict. I think we have a very, very hot <laughs> and unstable region now. But it is a chance in Mali where we have a transition where people are discussing, where people are rethinking their uh, democratic, uh, secure, uh, and, you know, uh, living together. If they go out with a very good, uh, you know, uh, and consensual uh, constitution, it will be very good formally and for all West Africa. We definitely wish you all the best of luck as you continue your efforts uh, regarding peace and stability restoration in Mali. This was absolutely an insightful podcast, and I thank you for sharing your insights with us. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, these are some of the things that stood out for me in my conversation with Aluin. As we heard, Mali's challenges are interlinked with preceding developments in Libya and the crisis has the potential to unravel in the rest of West Africa. Mali has experienced two coups over the last 10 years, one in 2012 and one in 2020. So it's easy to see that the rule of law is fragile in the country. Alawintin also outlined the way that extreme religious groups have contributed to the instability experienced and further weakened the state. As Malians look forward to expected elections in 2022, hope still remains for profound change in Mali. This was the West Africa episode of Let's Talk Human Rights, the FNF Africa podcast exploring human rights issues. If you enjoyed the podcast, listen to our previous episodes. 
The Friedrich Naumann Foundation Sub-Sahara Africa is an independent German organization that is committed to promoting liberal ideals and politics in Africa, such as human rights, the rule of law, democracy, innovation, digitalization, and free trade. By conducting campaigns, media events, seminars, workshops, study tours, cultural happenings, and training courses, the Foundation promotes human rights including freedom of expression, freedom of the press, children's rights, and LGBTQI plus rights, and engages against violence against women and capital punishment. If you are interested in our activities, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Simply check for Freedom Foundation Africa. Africa.